0: Hello, Gasheads, and welcome to this Scout Report episode of Gascast. I'll be your host, Duke, and joining me once again is Matt Boozy from Jills in the Blood. Your appearance, Evening, Matt, mate. can only mean one thing: we've poached another one of you players. Welcome, mate. Evening. You good? Yeah, good. Um, great to have you back on. Um, yeah, so yeah, you know,
1: you do talk to me for one reason. It's when you nick our players, but never mind. <laughs> yeah, we
0: do. I, I mean, Gas says love hearing the sound of your voice because it means um, a signing has been made, and and this signing is a a number nine. Um, we, we needed a number nine after the departure of Johnston Clark Harris, and number nine shirt has been filled by Brandon Hanlon. Uh, maybe not the marquee signing that some were expecting, but the twenty-three-year-old. Joins the Gas on a two-year deal. He scored 16 goals across 84 appearances for Gillingham. Garner describes Hanlon as a powerful and skillful forward who can both create and score goals. Who also has the work ethic and energy he wants at the front end of the team. Matt, would you agree with our gaffer's synopsis
1: of Hanlon? Yeah, yeah. yeah, I don't think that's too far off. To be fair, I'd add in he, he did contribute 10 assists as well. Uh, in that time so yeah by my calculations watching games it was 26 direct goal involvements in them 84 appearances so you're looking at he was directly involved in a goal once every three or so games which I think for a kid who's had two seasons in the football league I don't think it's it's a disastrous return obviously the big thing he needs to work on is his finishing but in terms of that description by Garner I don't think it's a million miles away he can play through the middle but like I say the finishing becomes a little a little bit of an issue he's, he's, he's more a player that you almost back him to score more if he hasn't got time to think about it. A lot of the time, if he was through on goal, he'd take too long and then end up hitting it at the keeper or striking it wide. But a lot of his, his goals come when it was instinct and he just had to hit it quickly. But yeah, pace to burn. You, if, if you like pacing in your team, then you've got a real player. Wins lots of free kicks in and around the opposition penalty area. Um, will keep getting up if he gets kicked. Work rate is phenomenal. Um, I said... First couple of games for us when he joined, we got we were getting beat 4-1 at home to Sunderland. And the thing that struck me about Brandon straight away was that even though we were getting beat, he didn't shrink and he still wanted the ball and he was still trying to make things happen even at 4-1. And I thought for a kid who was playing like his second game at that level, I thought that was a really good sign. And if you're buying him to be Johnson Clark Harris or score that amount of goals, I think you might be disappointed as a fan base. If you're buying him with the view to thinking if you can improve his finishing and then see how he goes in the season after. And the season after that, if he stays beyond that, then I think you've got yourselves a very good player. Yeah,
0: I think we were looking for an experienced Bagsman, which it sounds like he isn't. You're kind of saying his his composure is letting him down somewhat. I mean, he's only 23. He's another kind of promising youngster that we got within the ranks. I mean, how much do you think he could improve? I mean, you, you mentioned finishing as his main Attribute he needs to improve on can can you see that in improving with time and and the right coaching
1: yeah I think I think it could and that's why I've championed him to stay for a long time and I know towards the end in the last few days I I changed my tune slightly and said it had got to the point where if Brandon didn't want to stay and we're two or three days away from the season starting then we have to we have to move on no players bigger than any club at the end of the day And, and, and that sort of became my thoughts on it but if you ask me at the start of the summer, would I prefer Brandon Hanlon to move on or stay? I'd have definitely said stay. I think he's got all the attributes that you want in a modern day attacker. I'm not saying if he, he'll go and play in a championship or a Premier League or anything like that. But I think if he improves that finishing, um, then you've got a well-rounded attacker for, for, for any sort of League One club. Um, scored nine, I think it was, in his first season for us which again, if you're saying that's his first full campaign in league football, it, it's not a disaster. He only got seven last year, um, but I think he's contributed, I think it was six and four assists in the two campaigns as well. So in terms of direct goal involvements, it's in double figures for both campaigns with us. And Steve Evans alluded to it last season and said, if Brandon improves his finish, then, then he'd, he'd have been leaving the football club for a million pounds. So
0: Yeah, it's that classic thing with um, a poacher striker had the... Um the legend Jamie Curriton on over over the summer. And he was just saying that he was inbuilt with this ability to score goals. Do do you feel like he can be nurtured or he's just kind of lacking that, that finishing prowess?
1: Obviously you can't say one way or the other for sure. I don't know. I'm not privy to what goes on on a day-to-day basis on a training ground or anything, but based on age and what I've seen in terms of the way he wants to work and his application and his willingness to learn, Mm I'd say there's every chance that he can improve his finishing and you never know, some people just need a change of scenery and it might really work for him. He could turn up Sunderland first out of season and bag one and then suddenly confidence goes through the roof and he could go on a run. So um, as long as he doesn't score at the Mem or the Priestfield against us, then that's absolutely fine and I wish him all the best. I'm not one of them that's going to, go, you know, there's a lot of talk on, on Jill's Twitter at the moment that he's, 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 he's messed us about and he's taken the mick out of us and he's used us, but we was letting him train for one reason as well. Obviously, we wanted him to stay. But at the same time, if we knew there was a likelihood he was going, if we leave him in the squad throughout pre-season and play him in the friendlies and it does go to any sort of tribunal, it bumps the fee up. So, we're backing ourselves and covering ourselves in that respect. It happens up and down the country, I'm sure. I don't think Brandon Anland's the first and he certainly won't be the last. So, I wish him well. Like I say, I hope he has the shocker in the two games against us. But... He's, he's, he's a good lad. I've never seen anything untoward in terms of his character or not wanting to do what a manager wants him to do. And if you can improve, obviously the most vital part that you want in a centre forward, if you do play him through the middle, then I think you've got a very good League One striker. Yeah, so
0: we play as uh, three-four-two-one. It, it could be a three-four-three. Three. It's It's quite fluid, the top three. High intensity pressing style. C- could you see him being... The number nine focal point in that system or, or is he probably better suited behind the striker because i mean we, we would want him to to be in that number nine position ideally
1: well yeah and the fact that you've given him the number nine shirt would indicate that that, that ben wants him to play as the, as the main center forward so to speak it's interesting that you say you play with a, a two behind a one um because some of his better games for us was if he played from a slightly wider position. So we'd start with a four-four-two in a diamond predominantly throughout Brandon's time with us, but he'd naturally drift to one side and then then he could expose the fullback, or he could run in between the fullback and the centre half, and his pace obviously and his power then caused the problem. So that could give it a bit of flexibility in terms of he could play as the nine or he could play from one of the positions from the side. So in that respect, it gives him two strings to his bow, and obviously if you want him to come in and score 15, 20 goals, then you'd have to play him right up top, I imagine. But if you want a versatile, flexible front man that's going to play a couple of roles, then I'd imagine he could probably feel, certainly from the left-hand side, tended to be where he drifted. And then he, he could get in and cut inside and either shoot or get passes off. So, in that sense, it, it might make sense if that's the system you play, that it gives you, you know, a couple of options.
0: Yes, I mean, we look to keep it... On the deck, but obviously, sometimes you, you need to, to mix it up. Funnily enough, two of our goals against Warsaw in the, in the week came from long balls, which is the, the style of play we're trying to get away from. Uh, Johnson Clark Harris was brilliant at holding the ball up. Do you see him as being that sort of striker if, if long balls have to get pumped up to him and he's a bit isolated? Can you see him holding the ball up
1: and, and linking the play well also? I think if if you get it into feet, then I think he can do it. Like I alluded to earlier, he wins loads of free kicks around out the opposition box if he's got his back to goal, and obviously with the turn of foot that he's got as well, there's there's plenty of opportunity for him to be tripped. But I wouldn't say you'd want to be, you know, clipping it into his chest or his head all the time, because um, I don't. He's not as tall as as a, as a Johnson Clark. It's not by a long long stretch, I don't think. But um, I think if you're getting into his feet and giving him the opportunity to hold it and then lay it off, or to spin him behind, then I think he could do that role. And again, it comes down to, to obviously coaching and nurturing. And I'm sure if Ben Garner wants him to play in a system that plays a certain way, then obviously that's what the training field is for. And I'm sure if there's, there's inadequacies in his, in his repertoire that that Garner sees, he'll be working on them first and foremost.
0: Yeah. And I mean, you alluded to it earlier, looking at some of the salty messages from uh, some of your fans, it seemed like his attitudes, um, isn't great. I mean, what do you say about him personality-wise? Is that just bitterness from from some of your fans? Is, is he a good lad? Is he maybe a bit of a, a bad boy who needs uh,
1: a rollicking sometimes? I've never seen, like I said, I've never seen anything from Brandon on social media or when I've had the occasion where I've met him at like fun days or stuff like that, or after games or a player of the year, dudes. I've never seen anything that would that would strike me as him being a bad egg or a bad penny or anything like that. I think he's a kid that, that wants to do well. There was talk that maybe he'd been badly advised by an agent earlier in the summer, so maybe that's had something to do with it and that would indicate why it's dragged on for so long. Um, but no, I've not seen anything from a from a fan point of view that would indicate that, that he's any, any sort of problem at all. Um, and it's like anything, isn't it? Any fan base that we all want to play at this day, but as soon as he leaves, then suddenly we, we we don't rate him as highly as we did if he was still inside the tent, so to speak. But... Like, I'm not, I'm not a Jules fan that, that's going to boo him or slag him off. It's a short career at the end of the day and, and footballers have to look after themselves. And like I say, I'm sure Brandon's looking after number one, which he has to do. But at the same time, we've kept him on in the summer. Number one, in the hope to keep him. But number two, knowing that if he does go and, and we can go to a tribunal or we can say to a club that wants to pay money for him, well, look, he's a vital member of the group. He's played in all the friendlies. He's played pretty much every game in his time with us 84 appearances in two seasons just 42 a season it's, it's not rocket science it indicates that he was a vital member of the squad and we were due compensation so any club in the right mind is going to try and get as much as possible for him so I, I, I wouldn't put it down to bad uh, bad attitude or anything like that and, and a lot of the time you just have to without sounding you know like older people no more a lot of the, the tweets I think come from, from younger members of the fan base who just you know
0: yeah, I, I definitely know know the types, and they're they're, they're hot on it, aren't they? And um, I mean, what what struck me as, as well, I don't know if there's more that meets the eye. Steve Evans said he only knew about the transfer literally as it was being announced. It was Hanlon himself who, who told him about the move. That does does that strike you as a bit bit odd?
1: That was yeah, that was the strange bit because, like I say, about six o'clock last night, we got there was a tweet that came out that said. The club had rejected a bid. They said it was closer to our valuation than the insulting offer that had come in from A-Club last week. We don't know who that was. Um, and then all of a sudden, it's happened really quickly this afternoon. It, I, Reading between the lines, it seems that people maybe at the club are not entirely pleased with the way he's perhaps gone about it. But obviously, I'm not going to comment on that because I don't know what's gone on behind the scenes. But... There was no sort of good luck in the Jills tweet when they quoted the Bristol Rovers' tweet. It was just, uh, Steve Evans confirmed Brandon's left the club. And that was yeah. pretty much it. But, um, and then this thing come out that apparently Brandon told Steve himself and it's not gone through the chairman. And, and Evans alluded to the fact that Mr Scally uh, give us more details tomorrow. But he's probably disappointed that he's lost the player that he wants to keep. And if it's not been done quite the right way, then so be it. But it comes back to me. It comes back to it's done. We can't change it. Bristol Rovers have got him, and we move on. And like I say, it, it all revolves around the fact that, that no individual football is bigger than the club, and we move on as a group. So,
0: yeah, Scally's comments about Aimer were were anything to to go by. Be interest to see what he comes out about handling and um, yeah Rovers' potential role in in this move. Um, so let's let's talk about uh, Fee Zen. He he's under twenty four, and and you were saying. There's, there were some fees, some offers. Sorry, that that were um, declined earlier. So it looks like it will go to a tribunal. Um, what do you value handling that? I, I know it's a bit of a bit of an odd one with these uh, valuations
1: at tribunals. Well, yeah, again, it's only, it's only reading between the lines and a bit of hearsay from obviously dual social media thing. It's nothing official, but the club tweet last night said it was a six-figure fee that had been disregarded out of hand. So that would indicate that it's upwards of a hundred thousand. Um, there's whispers going around that we were confident if it went to a tribunal we could get upwards of 200000 and but it seems I think that the fee's been agreed by the clubs so I don't think it's going to go to a tribunal it seems the whisper's coming out of our end and again I'd like to emphasise this isn't anything from the club or you know local newspapers, this is just hearsay at the moment but there seems to be enough of it going around to indicate that it might have legs so to speak that it's, it's around 200000 but again, don't take that as gospel. It could be someone on the wind up or just general chit chat, but
0: So uh let's say it is gospel, Matt. What you've said is is bang on. Two hundred K. Would that represent good value for us?
1: I think if you can improve his finish and then you'd end up with a bargain of course because if you improve his finish then he's going to go and score you 10, 12, 15 goals a season and it's, it's not a great deal of money in, in today's market is it when you see the fees that are being bandied around like how much has Ivan Tony left Peter before I know it's a different level but that was what 10 million or something ridiculous it's it's crazy to be thinking that even that in this climate that League One players are going for that amount I mean I was staggered last year when Freddie Ladarpo went to Rotherham for 500,000 but it's the world we live in. It's a little bit surprising at the moment in a in a COVID summer that suddenly people have got money to spend. But I mentioned it when 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 Max left and joined you lot that obviously the the, the new owners come in at your place and seems to have wiped off all the debt and he's been you know generous with his cash and he's willing to spend to so and the training ground and everything's a fair play and if like I say, again, it's tricky to say, isn't it? It's a question that probably gets answered better if you ask me in May when he's played, if he's played 40 games for you, because if he scored 30 goals, then it's an absolute snip. If he's scored three or four goals and spent half the season on the treatment room, you'd say 200 K is a very good fee for us. So it's, it's, it's probably a little bit more than I expected. And I rate Brandon Hand. And I'd have said if we've got anything around 150, I'd have been well pleased because he's out of contract and he's only had two seasons in the football league. So I'm not, Disappointed with two hundred thousand, and I'm sure if he goes and scores you a dozen goals, you lot won't be disappointed with paying two hundred thousand. So,
0: exactly. Let's let's hope he can um, add finishing to his game. And and like you say, the, the proof is in the the pudding. Is it's all exactly. well. Good us us talking about his his strengths, his weaknesses, whether he could score or not. If he does it, then great. But if if he doesn't, ultimately, then then it's poor. So. We shall see Let, let's talk about Gillingham for a, for a bit then where does this leave you Hanlon goes I mean it's obviously the transfer window is, is still open um, for, for a bit longer H- how would you assess your chances for the the season now that we've taken Hanlon and, and also Amer?
1: Oh, I'm well, I've already mentioned I think in terms of what was that before we come on here I mentioned that in terms of centre-back, I've been concerned all summer that there's not more experience in there. We lost Max who was 28 and our captain. Um, we've now got four centre-backs, the oldest being 22. So, in terms of maybe a little bit of naivety, a little bit of having to build a new partnership because obviously Max played alongside Jack Tucker pretty much all of last season. We've got to then start again. Um, Pre-season not ideal because it's all been condensed into a much shorter time frame. So, Steve Evans has had less time to try and build partnerships, build relationships within the team and within the squad and I'm sure it'll all settle down obviously when the league games start because you're more consistent with your team selection and you get a better idea of what your strongest eleven is. But the lack of experience is probably one small concern I've got in terms of centre half. I think the fullback were absolutely fine. Um, moving forward I think we look fine in midfield we've got another lad in today highly rated coming from Celtic for a season Um, Scott Robertson who looks to be a real prospect looking at what their fans are saying he's just been given a three year deal up there but apparently they don't have much in the way of reserve or 23s football so Neil Lennon's, I think knows Steve Evans quite well because obviously Steve is Scottish himself and I think he's a Celtic fan Um, so they've decided it's the best places for him to come down to us and play regular football. It's a position we needed. I said at the start of the week, we needed probably a proper defensive midfielder, cover at left-back for Conor Ogilvie, and one slash two strikers, depending on, obviously, the Brandon situation. So, logically speaking, he's gone. We're a little light up top. We've only got two out-and-out nines or out-and-out strikers in John Akindi and, and Verdane Oliver. And we probably need two that are going to be more of the Brandon type which is the nippy one that can run in behind that can take on his player and, and and not play from with the back to goal so much so for me another left back and two centre forwards and I think we're probably pretty much there in terms of where we where we want to be and where we need to be in terms of numbers and quality I think the the signings that we've made have been promising intriguing the two lads from Arsenal look really intriguing we have got Zach Medley who's a centre back and Trey Coyle, who opened his account on Tuesday against Crawley, with a really good goal. So, they'd be interesting to watch because it's always, you know, you take a bit of a chance when you get two in from Premier League clubs. You don't know how they're going to adapt at that age to to men's football. If they're half as successful or as successful as the two that we had from Southampton last season, we'd be laughing. Um, I think Carl Dempsey's probably one of the pickups of the summer. Probably wouldn't have got him if there wasn't a salary cap, in fairness. Um, Jordan Graham would probably be playing higher up if it wasn't for injuries. And... Jacob Mellis, highly rated as a kid, was at Chelsea, but then obviously decided to let off a firework. I think it was in their training ground and got released <laughs> and chomping oh, around the, the lower leagues for a few years. But he's doing the old one.
0: Balotelli, is he?
1: Yeah, sort of. Yeah, but which was uh, quite amusing. Yeah, I think he let off. A, I think it was a flare or something at the training ground and they released him. But yeah, he's he's done well at Mansfield and played under Evans before, and he set up the Golden Tuesday night. And technically, I think if you can keep him on the pitch and keep his attitude on on the right tracks then, then we've got one hell of a player so in terms of creativity I think we'd be a lot better off this season but obviously it's no good creating chances if you haven't got someone to stick it in the net on the end of them chances but I'm quietly optimistic I'm still not sure we've quite got enough for the playoffs but I'm confident enough that we're at least match last season's 10th place finish and, and, and potentially improve on it by a couple of spaces
0: yeah, so it's obviously prediction season at the moment without us um, kicking a ball in, in the league yet. It'd be interesting to hear your thoughts on on our chances this season. I mean, I think the fan base has been up and down. Like, you know what football fans are like, Matt? Very, very fickle. Um, mm-hmm. I think most fans would say our transfer business has been great. There's serious question marks over Ghana. That's That's not new. Um, and I think with the 3-0 the um, drubbing by Ipswich in the Carabao Cup, I think a lot of Garsets were like, OK, actually, we, we may struggle here with, without um, a goal-scoring striker. So how do you assess our chances this season from, from what you've seen so far?
1: Yeah, I think you've, you've probably summed it up pretty well. I said pretty much along them lines, I think... In terms of the chairman coming in and sorting out the finances and, and your recruitment, I think's generally been very solid for this level. I think Max Amar has developed into to one of the top half dozen centre backs in the league. Obviously, I'm slightly biased. I've seen him play for for five years. Um, but last season was comfortably his best best season, most consistent season. Um Jack Baldwin, you got him from Sunderland, I think he's he's decent enough at that level, but there is I think there is an error in him. And it'd be interesting to see, I've said this to a couple of Bristol Rovers fans since since Amar went to your place, that it'd be interesting if you do play a back three on a regular basis, where he plays in that three. I believe he played in the centre, didn't he, in the game the other day? Well, all pre-season
0: he was in the centre and then we play Ipswich in the Carabao Cup and it went to Baldwin, which I, I don't think I'd really seen Baldwin playing in the centre of the three in pre-season and right. Eima was actually on, on the right-hand side. And all of the back three had an absolute stinker. I mean, Eima got, got done for pace time and time again. And um, with, with our wing-back system, the kind of um, like the, four, the traditional full back not... positions, we, yeah. we were just getting spun round time and time again. So, yeah, it was, it was a very strange back three, to be honest. We had a right-footed center effort on, on the left so I'd be very surprised if Aimer doesn't slot back into the, the centre of the three, which looks to be his natural position. Would, would you agree with that?
1: That, that, was, that was my concern when, when he left. One small concern about Max was the times that we played a back three and he played from the right where he does lack a little bit of play. He's not slow, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying he's, you know, he's treading water or anything like that, but he's not out and out quick. Um, and the couple of times when he did play there, he got caught out, because obviously if you're playing a wing-back and the wing-back bombs on, then suddenly the left winger the other way has got loads of space to run into, and that was an issue when Max played from the side. So, yeah, for me, if you play him in a back three, especially if he's going to be captain, you want him organising from, from slap-bang in the middle of that back three, but obviously Garner's got his own ideas. Um, Baldwin's another one who, you know, he's inexperienced, enough centre-back, uh, sorry, not centre-forward. Um, so maybe he wants to play there, but you know that's then up to the manager to be strong enough, I suppose, and say right, it's it's going to be you there and you there, and, and that's how we're going to roll with it. Um, forgive me, I've forgotten his name. The lad you got in from Coventry looks a really good size. So it's um
0: Oh, it's Zane Westbrook. Yeah, Westbrook. so so, so he, he he played about twenty odd times in the the championship within promotion campaign for Coventry, and he he looks really classy. He's on on the younger side of things. I think he's twenty three. Also, yeah. so yeah, I think he's probably been a, a marquee signing. To be honest, You've yeah, got really Josh Grant addition. next to him.
1: Yeah, so you, like I say, you, you, on the face again, obviously it's, it's like with anything. You, there's no, you can't say they're a good signing until you've seen how they play. So, um, but yeah, on, on the face of it, he looks like a really good addition. Like you say, that played in a good side in Coventry last season, and they were they were spot on pretty much all the way through. Um, Obviously, the big loss is, is Johnson Clark Harris. You know that it's 15, 16 goals a season guaranteed if you keep him fit, that, that suddenly disappears. And then I think you've signed, is there a lad that's coming on trial? And you've got, is it Tatunda?
0: Tatunda, yeah, he's he's a left wing back, Tatunda. So, I mean, he's more of a, an attacking wing back, to be honest. So but yeah, I, I think most the of the attacking side. players we've got are kind of your, your, num- your number 10 types. You've got Jaden Mitchell Lawson, very talented. Um, yep. Attacking midfielder from from Derby Counties. He's played as a like a, a false nine. You, you would probably say we got Sam Nicholson. He was highly rated at Hearts. Went to Colorado Rapids. More, that was more of a winger type. We got Josh Barrett as well, coming back from from injuries. He's not really kind of um, hit the ground running. So we, I mean, we we got talented players up top. Um, but yeah, as as I said at, at the top, we we, we are missing. Uh, that That goal scorer, so I think a lot of fans would have liked to have seen us actually get an experienced bagsman maybe if, if, if he doesn 't um it, get included in, in the play much, but can just stick the ball in the back of the the net yeah, that 's kind of what we are crying yeah. out for so let 's see if if Hanlon can be that player i, I judging by what you've you 've said i i don 't think he 's going to be that player straight away um which might um upset a few. A few fans, but we, we can only wait and see, like like we say. Um Matt, I think we're we've we'll wrap it up there. But yeah, yeah thanks well, yeah, Finn. Yeah, the
1: other thing I was just gonna say was, yeah, yeah. was the, ma- the manager's probably the big concern for me with <laughs> you boys. That's that's the, the biggest concern for me in terms of probably not being brave enough to then bet you to break into the top six because I toyed with the idea of it when you first started making signings and then obviously it changed with, with Clark Harris leaving, you, you immediately you have to think, right, well that's that that changes it. Like I said right at the beginning, obviously him leaving affects you more than, than Tony leaving Peterborough does, I think, um, because he'll go in there and Peterborough probably create more chances than Bristol Rovers did for him. And if he scored 16 in your side, I'd back him to get 20-25 in a full season if he's fully fit, like you say. But there's there's massive question marks over Garner for me. I know there was issues in terms of, I think he had to have compassionate leave, didn't he, for a family bereavement yeah. or something, which obviously doesn't help, but... You can't dress it up. I think it was two wins in the league after after he came in, wasn't it? And yeah. if if you hit the ground running and get something against Sunderland at the week is it is Sunderland at the weekend, isn't
0: it? It is, yeah. Sunderland at the stadium of light. So I mean a, a tricky, tricky start. I mean I mean there's there's not a load of optimism about that start. Um and it's it's a tricky start to the campaign as well. So he, he does need to pick up points. I think, yeah, I think the first he couple he of months are, are going to be money, yeah. vital, really, especially as he has been backed with with his signings and he's had time to get on the training ground and implement his his new style of play. But yeah, I mean, I think most fans do share the same concerns as you, Matt. He's never been a, a manager before. He's he's a, a great coach. I, I don't yeah. think anyone can deny that. But as a manager, I mean, yeah, the, the record is is abysmal. So. We will have to wait and see, give him a fair crack of the whip.
1: Of course, uh, yeah. You've got to give him 10, 12 games with his own players, like you say, and his own systems and his own ideas because otherwise it is pointless bringing him in. You've got to give him a summer and a transfer window at the very minimum. So,
0: Yeah, we shall see. So, I mean, best of luck for the season, Matt, minus um a, a couple of last season's players. So, thanks once again for that. Hopefully, no they, they they do well. is looking good and hopefully Hanlon can come and score. Gore some goals add that string to his bow. Um, I, I bet you're hoping you don't appear on Gascast any time soon.
1: After October, I'll be fine. I don't mind. <laughs> yeah.
0: All right, we'll, we'll maybe get you on a transfer deadline day. Um, if, uh, no. If, if, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, we shall see. Um, thanks for listening, Gas Ed. If you haven't already, please do hit the subscribe button wherever you get your podcast. That means you never miss an episode and also give us a review and rating as this massively, massively helps us out. All that leaves me to say is up the gas.